welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number uh, 10, 9, 9, 10, I don't remember, of my favorite video game. I think it's number 10. Number 10! Yeah. Ah, 10 whole episodes already. That's awesome. Um, my name is Josh Gallegos, and joining me this week, my co-host, the Cash, Jared Benson. Hello, everyone. It is your favorite casual gamer, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. We'll have to... Uh, We'll have to see how, how this conversation goes. <laughs> For sure. I might lose points here. Oh, well, probably not. I, I mean, we're talking about the same stuff. So, uh, But with that in mind, this is My Favorite Video Game, a podcast on video games. Um, and you know what? Even that name might be changing, so I wouldn't get married to it uh, myself. We're going to be back into this game here, uh, the game of podcasting this year. In 2020, uh, it's going to be a big year for us, and I'm excited. After a failed January, um, I had a lot of medical issues going on last month and was unable to record as much as I would have liked. I really had a really good vision going into 2020 and let that kind of fall apart after that. So now that I'm recovering, my mind is back and everything, I'm ready to jump into this again because I love me some video games. So I was super excited about the start for 2020 and obviously glad you're back. I was following along closely Thank with you. everything that was going on for you. And I was chomping at the bit. I was like, oh, man, as soon as Josh get, gets back, we're going to jump right into this and it's going to be awesome. So I'm excited. Good, good, man. So with that in mind, a uh, little bit more of our housekeeping here. You can follow along and submit questions via Twitter. I am at Video Game Bard. And actually, you guys can submit questions to Jared as well. Uh, Jared, what's your handle again? At Jared T. Ben. Jared T. Ben, J-A-R-E-D for that first name there. And uh, for our new focus going into 2020, we're going to be changing up just how we do this podcast. And, of course, I'm also going to be thinking about a potential new title. I pitched an idea to Jared. Uh, I haven't actually got any feedback on it yet, but uh, we can talk about that after. For sure. Um, sure. Our new focus, Topical Games Podcast. We're going to be covering games um, that I would like to enter into what I would say the hall of games. And I think what we're going to do, I had a good idea this morning. Um, we're going to talk through the game, talk about it um, from a high level, from a deep level, from a low level of boring. Uh, not that boring, but uh, maybe just some of the goofy, nerdy, fun stuff that video games come with. And we are going to, at the end, decide if we want to put the game into our hall of games. The Great Hall of Games, as I'm going to call it. So we will determine the judgment upon each of these titles as we go through, based on our conversation. You guys can come to your own conclusions, of course, but we are the decision makers who will be putting it into the Hall of Games. And that's how it's going to be going forward uh, from here. Current Hall of Game entries, I am going to just instantly put all of the other games that I have already discussed on my favorite video game into that Hall of Games. That includes Wario. Master of Disguise, The Legend of Zelda, Link's Awakening, Ratchet and Clank, Up Your Arsenal, Super Metroid, <laughs> Katamari Damacy, yeah, I know, great name, uh, Star Wars Jedi, Fallen Order, and, of course, Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice, those last two being our Game of the Year picks in our last episode. So, with that in mind, let's go ahead and jump into the games we plan. Jared, what games are you playing right now outside of the obvious, which is going to be the one that we're talking about today, which we'll get to later? You know, I've been playing Splatoon 2, um, and I I have, you know, it's funny, I, I jumped into that game and I thought, this is going to be dope, um, you can, there's a whole another dynamic to the game because of the fact that you can kind of, you know, go underground into your ink, 
um, and and you know pop up elsewhere. The whole yeah, team. yeah. The teams are kept small, you know, um, for the most part. You don't have these massive battle royales. It's not like Fortnite. It's kept right. small. Uh, it's intense, and obviously, it's a constant, you know, battle for territory. It's short. Um, like the time, it, the time is it's short. Very for each quick. Bench. Yeah, short and quick, and I love that about the game. And uh, I've been jumping into it. I didn't realize at first that the whole um, uh, controls you can use your controller to tilt the vertical axes to tilt up or down, and I hated yes, that. Yes, yes. <laughs> so for the first like thirty minutes, I was like, I'm gonna hate this game. I'm gonna hate it. <laughs> I could just tell right now. But you're able to switch that in the settings. So after that, you know, I really fell in love with it, and I'm enjoying it. The people at the top, if you go and watch the ones who are doing like an Evo and whatnot, actually, I don't know if Splatoon is an Evo, but uh, whenever there is a competitive game, you see lots of people using that motion for just like really minuscule movements. Like they have it down to where they're just, they're basically flicking the controller in tiny little ways to make that shooting more effective, almost more accurate. But I have zero experience in that uh, doing it myself, but it's it's fun to watch. And, and you're right in that outside of like those people i really feel like the motion controls probably do hamper the experience quite a bit i myself turn them off too um but that's awesome splatoon is a really interesting game um have you played any of the single player uh, only a tiny tiny bit uh mm-hmm. just to kind of get myself familiar with the controls yeah that's um, that's the the gist of it i'd say it's more just like obstacle courses and whatnot but again, I was miserable because I was trying to use that <laughs> the motion, and I, you know, I'm still new to the Switch. I just got it, you know, trying to right. get used to the controllers. That's one of the things that we'll talk about later in Link that kind of sometimes bothers me is the the motion control when you're trying to shoot an arrow. <laughs> yeah. But but when I first jumped into it, yeah, I I for sure thought it was you know difficult to use, but I'm enjoying it now. <laughs> awesome. Uh, what other games are you playing? Is that the only one? No, uh, tonight actually, um, now this is obviously the podcast, just a little bad timing here because I haven't gotten to it yet, but tonight I'm going to crack open the Mario Party for Switch yes. and see and see if that's, uh, see what's different. Because I, I loved Mario Party 5 is my current favorite. Um, that's way back with the GameCube. Um, so I um, absolutely love, you know, that version. So we'll see. Lives shall be destroyed absolutely. by Super Mario Party. Relationships ruined. <laughs> My friend uh, Sterling hates that game because he can't win. <laughs> he gets well, and it's 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 based on randomization towards the end, especially like they'll just award stars and whatnot. So it can be slightly frustrating for people who are hyper competitive. But it isn't yes. really meant to be that. It's meant to be more of a a party game anyway. So something I absolutely love about it. Josh, what are you playing? I am playing Pokemon Sword. With my wife, um, that's the one that we've decided to pick and play through at the beginning of the year. It's been a ton of fun, actually. And as I've been recovering from my hospital stint, um, it has been that go-to thing. We can just sit down together and play together. She ends up playing for the most part, and she, like, oohs and ahs at all the designs of all the different Pokemon. Um, it makes me feel like a kid again. It really does. It's like, on a good level and a bad level, it is kind of baby games RPG, um, on some levels, it's not very difficult. It's not very intense on the systems and whatnot that go into it. And from that perspective, I do get bored, I would say. But when I am engaged, and especially after... I, you have to get into it. It's not like Splatoon where it's like five-minute bursts and those can be satisfying in and of themselves. Well, but once you get into the groove of Pokemon and you are catching them all and you are finding out what the new Pokemon that you're finding can do and how you use them against others and whatnot, it is very in-depth on that level. And uh, I love being able to dive into it 
uh, with my wife specifically. I don't think I would have played it on my own. I probably would have picked something else. And then now I'm let also me ask you. Oh, let me ask you this before you get to your next pick. Um, for someone like me who's never even, you know, I really haven't had much experience with Pokemon at all. I've maybe seen a couple episodes and seen some gameplay of you know the way back games played a little bit on the game boy advance but like for someone like me who's got very little experience can you jump into any pokemon game yes they're all built um as separate entities like they're not connected even the stories are all different uh same themes and same run through of game time they're all pretty much set up the same in that regard uh you're not gonna find something in pokemon sword that you wouldn't have found well, that's not true, but the the core of it is the exact same as Pokemon Red, which is the very first game in the series on the Game Boy. So very little has changed as far as the mechanics are concerned, as far as the actual gameplay plays out. But, of course, it's a lot prettier now. Um, and the loop and the hook that gets so many kids obsessed is still there. Uh, mm. So definitely worth the while, especially if you've never played a Pokemon game before. I played Pokemon Y all the way through, was satisfied, and then I think I jumped into Pokemon Moon and realized it was the same thing, and that's kind of when I bounced off. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. But it's okay. really nice to be back into it, and having it on the Switch, oh, I mean, I could talk all day about how convenient the Switch is, um, has been great. But uh, my second game that I've been playing a lot recently is Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, and that is primarily because of a couple things. During my, uh, I guess... I could call it medical situation last month. I was not completely in my right mind the entire time. And at one point I threw my Nintendo switch off the roof. Oh Um, my gosh. I did. And it destroyed itself um, on a very fundamental level. Not really going to be able to be fixed. (laughs) And I did it at the time to make a really stupid point that I wasn't thinking clearly about and uh, lost everything that was on it. It was a pretty sad situation, but thankfully I had actually bought another Switch for my wife uh, back last year, so we've been able to use that, and she never uses it, so it's it's mine again at this point. Um, and I was able to upload everything, but when I jumped into Super Smash Bros., it reset everything I had done in that game, wow. um, and I was very, very sad about it because I had all the characters unlocked, I had you know gotten through all kinds of stickers and whatnot, and decided, hey, you know what? This is a game that I love, and it's really easy to just pick up and play. So I've been playing that a lot just to re um, unlock all the characters and then also to enjoy the DLC character that was released as well, Byleth, uh, which we could talk about uh, maybe if we ever cover Super Smash Bros. Ultimate at some point. Uh, but that's it for me, those two games, and then, of course, our pick for the potential Hall of Games game this week, which we can jump right into. So for our pick this week, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild is the game that we're going to discuss and really debate on whether or not it can be considered for the Hall of Greats. And for me, um, just to give the the context to the audience, I have played through Legend of Zelda twice, once on the Wii U and then another time on the Switch. This is my third playthrough, and quite honestly, I didn't even get as far into it as I was hoping to. Um, and I'm playing on master mode while Jared is playing for his first time. So this is going to be a much more fresh experience for him. So honestly, I'm hoping that he covers most of this for me because I'm going to be having a hard time even thinking about good stuff to say. (laughs) (laughs) But with that in mind, Jared, uh, with each of these games that we tackle, I really want to dive deep into how the processes in it work, 
how the different reward systems work and what that means for a, a gamer, for a person of interest who wants to play these sorts of games. And first and foremost, let's talk about some of the design. Now, this game is renowned for its design, specifically because of one term that uh, Nintendo executive used. I can't remember which executive, but he called it open-air gameplay. Mm. And this has a lot of connotations. What do you think, just off the top of your head, what would you say that means to you? I'll t- it means it means breathtaking. Ooh. It's the views. It's the it's the fact that the game when you come out of that cave, you know, Link wakes up from a long wet nap and he walks out onto that cliff and the game forces you to run out onto that cliff and just take it all in. And I kid you not, you know, watching that on a, you know, 55 screen TV, uh 55 inch screen TV is absolutely just breathtaking yes um you know get the biggest tv you can <laughs> so it For is real it though is, it is fantastic even um, you just don't, the views and hold like, version of the switch of i would just say i mean just for that opening whoa i mean that's and, and he nailed it when he says open air that's exactly what he means right right and i i agree in that the the s- scenery is something that is almost impossible for any other game to replicate i feel like i've never felt the way i did when i did reach the top of a hill and you could see the twin peaks off in the distance you could see death mountain off in the distance outside of actually uh previous zelda games i have had that um feeling in other zelda games so that in in that sense it does invoke the past and that is an idea that the i know that the devs were going for the original zelda the very first one was supposed to give you a sense of exploration, a sense of mystery, and a sense of wonder and discovery. And they have somehow taken that concept and recreated it in the modern day with so many other games that are doing open-world gameplay and so many other games that are trying to invoke a sense of discovery. They did it in like almost like a simple, clean way that, when looked upon first, might be considered boring. But for others, like you said could just be breathtaking which really honestly this game is perfectly titled breath of the wild because you get this sense of calm you get this sense of um interest even in just the little things and i love that the game is able to do that i also would say in that way it's been one of the biggest innovations in the games industry um at the time of course it was 2017 a lot of other games were trying to invoke like i said a sense of discovery but this one really nailed it and since then other games have been trying to do that same thing and it's just harder and harder and harder i'm sure um feel free to fill in <laughs> whenever i'm just kind of rambling no uh, you can fine. even cut me off honestly no you're uh, fine the uh i would just say like you know um i was looking at your notes about what you wanted to talk about here you know being able to climb anything so i was waiting for you to get to that before i jumped oh, in. oh yes well please feel free to jump in but even no. if i have a note that you want to talk about Compared about, you know, Nintendo's Nintendo's version of an open world RPG, you know, to be honest with you, my only strong, confident references that I feel like I can allude to are Far Cry 3 and Skyrim mm. um, as far as comparisons go. And I thought Far Cry was a clean game for the most part, although it's done in first person in Skyrim too. Skyrim was, before Breath of the Wild, the most ambitious open world game 
I agree. Um, in my opinion, ever created up until that point. Now, there's some games that are technically bigger. I think actually Oblivion is actually bigger, um, but it, true, yeah. it's an older game. There's a limit. So much information you couldn't walk five feet without encountering, you know, a new set of information that was novel. Um, and at the same time, the game is almost unplayable by today's standards <laughs> because of how glitchy it is and how glitchy and wonky and blocky yeah it's just awful and it's a more limited world than breath of the wild is so i know there's there's a at le- there's six years difference at least um because of 2011 to 2017 you know somewhere around six years different same time you know you know nintendo's version of an open world is so much cleaner and so much I want to say even simpler, and yet they do a much better job and come up with a much better product. And I w- I'm going to take you know Nintendo's version of the open world any day, any day. Yes, and you said something that I think is very interesting. You said limited gameplay or limited worlds, and this one feels unlimited by comparison. What did you mean by when that? I said? Oh well, well, I w- we can transition to the next point here. The fact that l- the fact that okay, Link yeah. can climb anything and he can paraglide yes. anywhere changes the dynamic of the game. In And the whole design behind changes it, everything. Absolutely it everything. everything. What people wanted out of Skyrim, to be honest, um, for a ca- well, I'll say casual gamers, what casual gamers wanted out of Skyrim was to be able to shoot things and, f- and ride on dragons. And, and <laughs> yeah. to be honest, with all the bugs, sometimes you got neither. <laughs> so... Um, so you know right. what what Skyrim when I say Skyrim is limited there's a sheer there's more content in Skyrim there is just by volume and yet the the simpler it's it's more ground based because they don't have the same vertical dynamic that uh, Breath of the Wild does so I, although you could do that thing where you climbed with your horse which was always like, the but even trick, then, you know? that's not satisfying. <laughs> it's like uh, this: my horse that's should not true, be able yeah. to stand at a ninety degree angle on this cliff. That's not right. <laughs> this, this feels demonic. <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> but, but yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. the The ability to climb anything completely shifts what even an open world game is, and it was a small thing, a small design choice. That changes everything because I can go instead of it, and it opens up possibilities too. Like instead of running on the ground and going from hor- on horseback to lots of different places, I can climb the nearest hill and jump off, and then float to the next spot. Um, I can, if I see it, an apple in a tree, shoot it down with an arrow or climb yes. the tree. I can climb that tree right in front of me. It's like almost anything you think you can do, you can. And I am sure that that would have been a nightmare to design for, but that's where that Nintendo magic comes in and just wraps all this up into a fantastic package and an open-air world that I don't think has been replicated, replicated since. And who knows if it'll be replicated again until we get to Breath of the Wild 2, um, which I am very excited about. I am also very excited for it. You know, it's funny that you say it's a, it's a nightmare to design for, and I wonder how much of that is true, just in the sense that... When you look at like the the walls um, or the 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 sheer faces that Link has to mm. climb, they're actually not very textured. I don't know if you've ever sure, noticed yeah. that, but like when you go when you go up to the side of a mountain in Skyrim, just to compare, um, it's very 
it looks like a rock, you know? Whereas when you go to Breath of the Wild, they're very bland. I mean, there's some uh, color variation, but for the most part, their surfaces are pretty straightforward. Um, it kind of looks like they've been painted mm. over. Um, there's not much, um, and it's all geometric straights uh, and flats, and, you know, there's not much variation in the wall, which I think is genius because it looks like you're cleaning, uh, climbing <laughs> the side of a very clean mountain. And I wonder, like, if all of that, and have you ever noticed too, like when you when you're climbing a mountain, you can't actually game the camera to put it into the mountain. Sure, sure. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It's just very, very harsh lines. There's no gaming of the system there. Very straightforward. And you know, you say it's a nightmare to design for. And I don't know too much about what goes on in the inner workings of designing a game like this. But the way they decided to do it puts it all into the experience itself. Yeah. Um, and I, I absolutely, I totally agree. The fact that you can. You can do it. It feels like there's no limits to how you can play right. the game, um, in comparison to Skyrim or Far Cry. And that affects more than just the the open air feel, just the world itself, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But um, it also does affect our, you know, the combat, a bunch of other parts of it, you know. And we can talk about that. Well, hey, we have that point coming up. So uh, the next thing I really wanted to cover before we get to those things is the the subtlety of its storytelling, and honestly, the whole game itself. I would describe as subtle um it's all told as far as the storytelling is concerned through small memories it's all told in brief snippets outside of that though it's almost like nintendo was just trying to get out of the way they wanted you to experience it to you to build your own story in this world they created and then they sprinkle in their little nintendo stuff here and there now what did you think of the story jared I loved the story. I wanted more. I really did. I wanted more and more of it. I, I was I was digging the content. I thought it was great. Um, you know, you mentioned that um, you know when you um, when you wake up, you have the beginning tutorial. You find out that King Rome is is the old Santa, and then you <laughs> and then and then from then on, it's like it's up to you how far you dive into the storyline. And I I really enjoy that. I wanted more of it. I was hunting for it. I loved the whole the memories quest and everything like that good yeah no i i agree um it's not my favorite zelda story uh actually it's probably one of the my least favorite zelda stories but and especially this third time playing through i'm incredibly intrigued by the layers that it takes even within the subtlety of its storytelling like you have these past links that are discussed like these past heroes these past princesses this past evil there's two sets of it actually there's that 10,000 year gap the one where they're talking about when they first defeated Ganon and that's when they created all the machines and whatnot and then there's another 100 year gap between this current Link and this current Zelda and it's it's so unique even in that sense this sense of legend that they add in just subtly just so subtle in the background and then on top of that you are the adventurer you are the guy who's living this story and we're in like a at this point it's like a post post apocalypse like everything's kind of coming back but people are still scared and the world reflects that in very unique interesting and just subtle subtle ways i mean the entire um what is it it's a quest right the the quest for the memories is yes. what it's called yep. um and and you do have to go through a lot of the storytelling at the beginning you know to get through to that but once you get to um impa and she starts to give you a lot more of the uh the narrative, I would say, she does a lot of the, oh, what's the word that they use? Dialogue, not yep. dialogue, but the explanation. I, I'm, I can't think of the word. She fills in the they, blanks uh, there. Yeah, she, she fills in all of those blanks, and then she, 
gives you a quest to go hunt down your memories. A very interesting way, I think, for Nintendo to handle that. They gave us a Link who had his memories gone for being so long in his chamber, and he has parts of the world that invoke his memory and remind him who he was and remind him what he was supposed to do. But it's so... Like, you don't have to do it. You don't have to. You could, once you get that quest ditch that entirely and instead just go climb as many trees and grab as many apples as you want you know <laughs> that's ex- that's exactly what i did <laughs> yeah <laughs> but you still were intrigued and that's the part that i think is is powerful um it wasn't forced on you but you made it a goal for yourself to find those bits of lore to find those bits of storytelling and i think that's where the genius again of the design of the world the design of this game just in general comes in you know, it's funny because I accidentally found, you know, I went and saw Impa. I did what I thought was like the bare minimum to get things started to unlock a right. lot of the main quest, I guess you could say, because that's one of the main quests. But um, once once I did that, I went exploring. I mean, I jumped off the nearest cliff and just went, you know, uh, and that's that's how I played through the game. And then I came back to those things later. But what what got me was when I accidentally found my first memory. And it happened mm. It happened to be one of, I think, Link and Zelda. She got mad at him for following her around. Um, and I was like, whoa, there's something. There's more to this. Yes. There's a whole lot more that they're trying to do here. And then I was just like, oh, I've got to figure this out. So I, you And know. I think, yeah, I, I love the way that they present that dynamic between Link and Zelda as well. Very, very different from the other games. Zelda's almost jealous the entire time of link and irritated that he's the one that was chosen, even though he doesn't say a word. Yep. Um, and it's a, it's a very different take on Zelda. Typically she's the strong, quiet, wise one since her, her spring is the spring of wisdom. Oh, I totally forgot about the springs. Actually, that was fantastic. Were you able to hunt all those down? I was the dragons and whatnot, all that I did. Uh, you know, I, I, the game, you know, in my map, I guess it says the game is like on, I don't know, 41%, I guess you could say. Um, okay. and a lot of that is because I only have, 180 Korok seeds collected. So I think a lot of it is Korok seeds. If I'm, ass- I'm assuming that every chunk that you do of the game is just like an equal percentage. So most of the game is going to be um, the 900. In those small collectibles. Yeah, yeah. the 900 Korok seeds and the collectibles. So th- I think that's why it's only 40%. But I've unlocked and done the vast majority of everything. I've done both the DLCs and um oh so you did get the dlc i, I was actually gonna ask you about that yeah i did get the dlcs josh i would love for you to elaborate a little bit more um just for my curiosity on why you preferred some of the stories of the other zelda games to this one and also tell me more about how zelda in previous games is more of the wise sage well um i think the other zelda games were a lot more focused on their story they were a lot more linear too mm-hmm. and I think that was a problem that Nintendo kind of had to solve with this game. They wanted you to give they wanted to give like I said that sense of the original Zelda which isn't story based at all. Like you get like two old people on the map who tell you like give you a sword and then tell you where to go next and that's it. Um, and then you fight Ganon at the end. And beside uh, besides a little scroll at the very beginning of that first game there's no story. Uh, so they were trying to invoke that sense and they I think they came up with a really great way to get around it. But in previous Zelda games like Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, Twilight Princess, story takes center stage. The lore behind what's going on in Hyrule definitely is pushing you forward. And that is not what's happening here, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as Zelda is concerned, she I mean, you have the Triforce, right? Each of the Triforce stands for a part 
of um, our, stands for character essentially, and and stands for different concepts. I would say one is power, mm-hmm. that's Ganon's or Ganondorf's. One is wisdom, that's Zelda or she's the goddess reborn um, in the lore, and then the other is courage, which is the hero Link who always rises up when it's time to defeat the evil. Uh, very interesting just tale that's been told over and over and over. And each of the Zelda games have little ties to them. You can buy Hyrule Historia and read all about that. But I would say with this game, you find you find two of the members of the Triforce who are usually united at odds in small, subtle ways that I think probably caused their failure when they did end up facing Ganon that first time. Um, and that's what I would say as far as that goes. I mean, I don't love the voice acting in this one either. That's part of it too. They really tried to go for it. And I think that some of the people do really great. Immediately. I think of most of the heroes, um, the previous, what are they called? The, like the Goron and the Gerudo lady, the the yep. old ones that are dead now. Yes. Uh, whose spirits you meet. I'm trying to think of what he calls them. He calls the them the champions. Pretty sure. The champions. Yeah. Yes. The champions. Yeah. Uh, I, I really like those characters. They're, they're incredibly vivid and powerful. And you can tell that they're like these counselors in Link's life who have come through at previous times in his life and have taught him the things that he already needed to know for this current mission. And it's interesting how even when you get to those places on the map, when you meet the young people who are taking the place of those champions, they invoke those memories in Link, and he's reminded of who he was, his purpose, and all of that. Um, But the acting's terrible, at least... Especially for Zelda. <laughs> like, I did not like her voice, dude. It was hard for me to even enjoy most of those um, cutscenes outside of the little bits of lore because of that. And that's just a Nintendo thing. They're not great at that sort of thing. And really, I don't think they see a need for voice acting, but they really went for it here. <laughs> and I think it was a bad idea. They're all they're all Japanese, man. They can't... They, that's true. <laughs> they, need, they need to have... Um, you know, some American come in and be like, man, this is cringy, dude. <laughs> and and who knows? They probably have so much feedback, and half of it's probably, yeah, this is bad, but they went for it, and they've set a precedent now that I think I hope continues on they, using voice acting because most of the previous games were all text-based right. outside of a few characters, uh, maybe. But being able to unshackle themselves from that definitely adds more personality, but got to get a better voice actor or something. I don't know. Uh, but that being said, the game with the subtle storytelling is in its own way, very unique. And I would also say in its own way, the aesthetic, which we touched, touched on briefly is just gorgeous. It's very, very distinct from, I would say other open world games, mm-hmm. not so much from its own franchise. If you look at previous Zelda games, mm-hmm. they, this almost seems like a marriage of multiple aesthetics but they use it together to really give this world vibrancy to give it a life a liveliness that you wouldn't expect in a quote-unquote post-apocalypse world and i just absolutely loved it for that reason what did you think about it i i completely agree and the fact that each 
like region of the map is so diverse and unique. There's some parts that you can only find certain fruits in. Like I think of like the durian you can only find Mm. in the Southern part of the map. Um, There's regions of this game that are there just because they're there. I mean, you can go get lost. You can go, you can go and it's all beautiful. It's all gorgeous in its own way. There's even um, because of the flying dynamic, there is even um, differences in altitude that will affect the game like when you fly off of mount hebra down to the lowlands in any direction because i think it's one of the highest points of the map you mm-hmm. you have to go through like kind of a snowy blizzard visibility level where you can't see anything and then it just dissipates and you fly down mm-hmm. into the the area i love taking hebra peak down to hateno village because it's just it's just gorgeous it's all the way it's you get to look at the map as you fly like there's absolutely and on top of that there's aesthetic touches that are built into the game like when you ride your horse right if right it's, if it's well trained you can in the game even suggests this in one of the loading screens uh memos it says you know let your horse follow the path while you look around like the, the game is built to be admired to be wowed uh or to wow you to to impress you and they just nail it with with everything my favorite region uh would have to be gerudo i just love the way it's designed um how about you i agree actually that one and and that was the one i gravitated toward naturally on this current playthrough on master mode uh which was a bad idea bad idea because i (laughs) that boss oh i've been stuck on him this last week just like trying to face the uh ganon boss you know what i should have said ahead of time that we're going to have a ton of spoilers in this thing, but just accept that uh, for this podcast, I'd say, going forward. Any game that we cover is definitely going to be full of spoilers. Um, but, yeah, going into Gerudo, I I forgot that this guy was going to be kicking my butt, but I went there because of the aesthetics, because of the way that it just feels so almost alien from the rest of the map. Like, the mountain makes sense. The the place where the villages are makes sense. The Even the the flying side where they have the flying villages and whatnot it 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 all fits but you have this in the corner like cut off completely from the rest of the mountains just this sand this desert and i loved that and naturally gravitated toward it and and i think that's also one of the most unique like getting into that region and trying to find the the current champion and whatnot that's one of the most unique um areas for all of that sort of stuff to come in and i love the gerudo women too they're all so funny and the way they treat men and yeah. how they know that you're not a gerudo i remember i was just talking to one and she she looks down on you like they, they look down on other women so much that they don't even notice that link's a guy <laughs> like and i i told her i was a gerudo and she was like no you are not a gerudo you don't have abs <laughs> i just started laughing <laughs> It's hilarious. But yeah, the aesthetic, the way that it affects the entire world, the way that, like you said, you can get lost just following something that looks cool. You're like, that looks kind of cool over there. And so you go. Like, there's a pond that's shaped like a heart that you don't notice unless you're studying the map. Yep. There's a giant jungle area that you don't even have to go to to beat the game. Um, you don't even have to go over there. That's where one of the springs are. Yep. There's a. That's where I saw my first dragon. What? Okay, you have to tell me what it was like when you saw 
your first dragon in the air because that for me was like one of the biggest moments in the game i it was one of the biggest moments you know obviously there's the when you wake up i'm gonna go through some of my favorite aesthetic moments here because i remember them so vividly and i would give anything to go back and experience them for the first time um that's how much of an impression they left on me but right when when you come out and you literally i i remember playing the game and watching you know link runs out and i'm like here it is here it is and then (gasps) i literally did that i you know i was like (gasps) whoa whoa and I remember too, uh, I you know you click on the right stick and he zooms in like he's got a pair of binoculars. I remember the first time I saw the lizard crawling around the mountain, and I was like, oh my gosh, that you know you can see it in the distance. No other yeah. no other game that I know does that where you can explore, you can pinpoint, you can like I'm going miles in that direction. I'm gonna go explore that area because you can see what's waiting for you just vaguely enough. My my second favorite moment after that. Um, um, first initial, you know, um, waking up was when I actually got to the edge of Gerudo. That was one of the first places that I went. I immediately, okay. after I left Kakariko Village, I kind of went straight across the map to to Gerudo, um, and and I remember peering over the edge and seeing that giant camel stomping through the desert, and I thought, "What in the world?" Because it's over that ridge, so you break over the ridge, and then you see it, and you're like, "What?" And there's, <laughs> there's so much of this massive. And then too, when you're when you wake up too, and you like turn, you look north northwest, and you see the giant bird flying. You're like, "What?" So for me, the biggest part, uh, those are some of the biggest moments because you realize, "Whoa." There's been so much put into this game. The The big battles are monumental because these massive stone metal thing creatures are, you know, in their natural habitat causing havoc. And they're just, it just, oh, it makes your heart pump. It's weird, but it's awesome. It's, it's awesome is the word. That's the word for it. it. It fills you with a sense of awe constantly. And it's the mystery that they somehow managed to achieve that other open world games just, I feel like they can't, do in the same way like you mentioned far cry each of the far cry games are fun they're unique but they don't catch you in a sense of awe i would say and especially now with with it being so prevalent to just have an open world game where you go to towers and zelda does it too you go to towers you unlock parts of the map and then the difference is between like this and assassin's creed game when you climb to the top of assassin's creed tower it unlocks the map and then gives you like 800 different things to go do this one doesn't do that instead zelda just gives you the map it opens up that sense of of exploration for you but it doesn't tell you where to go it doesn't give you any direction as far as that's concerned you're the guy who's going to go on adventure and that's what i love about it and the way that the aesthetic complements that and isn't even something that's unique to zelda because like i said like and you said a painterly look to the mountains i'd agree with that like it does look very almost like watercolors and paintings and especially when you're looking into the vistas um that's been done before, but the way that they use it in small things, defining the different regions, defining the different fruits, everything, and, and the way that you can combine... I mean, we could talk about the cooking all day, too. These systems are all just so interconnected and interesting. Um, it's just very, very awesome. That would be the word I'd use for sure. And with that in mind, uh, I want to talk about the combat, because I feel like the combat in this game, very unique from other Zelda's. What did you think about it? I thought, you know, it's funny because my favorite part of the Zelda game really is that for such an open world, it's impressive how everything works. 
Um, you know, you don't have to worry about something not showing up when you activate the quest. It's always there. Uh, it always works. And, you know, that brings the reason I say that is because there's only been two times in which my game is glitched. And it's not that it's ever shut it off. It's just that I've noticed the screen kind of like, you know, jumps a little like, bit, like slowing. It yeah, slows down, it catches hitching and whatnot. And the only two times that it does it consistently are uh, when I walk into the Korok forest after I downloaded the DLC. Um, and then two, when I face the one Lionel that's in the Coliseum. Mm. <laughs> oh man, I forgot about that dude. He, he has a flame blade, and for whatever reason, you know, whenever I you know dodge and do the flurry rush, and I jump back, and his swing in his blade. I don't know if it's the addition of the fire, but it, it catches the game and makes it glitch a little bit. Interesting. Those Interesting. are the only two times that I've ever noticed it glitching. I mean, considering that there's so many things to climb and fly and do all this stuff, you'd think it happened more often, but. But no, those are the only two times. But that does lead me to the combat in which, you know, the combat to me is the most refreshing thing I've done since um, Arkham Asylum. Like, I I know that sounds like a crazy comparison because it's not that technical, but it's so it feels so natural. And Link, the way he's able to dodge and maneuver, um, it it doesn't take away from the challenge. And yet it still is some of the most enjoyable thing things you'll ever do. as far as the combat goes, I loved the combat, every aspect of it. Yeah, and and I, I think the biggest part of it is that all of your tools that you can use in combat and out are given to you right at the start of the game. They don't mess around with that little tutorial area either. And that was when I realized what master mode was going to be. <laughs> yeah. Because you walk out of that cave. You're at the very beginning. You're on the Great Plateau. You walk out of the cave, and you face this open world, and then you realize... You can't go very far just yet. <laughs> yeah. And then Nintendo rewards you by giving you these very functional and very in-depth tools, like the the systems that you can implement and use with these tools, the ones that are tied to the Sheikah Slate, are so intricate in and of themselves. And you have them all right at the start. I didn't even have clothes yet. <laughs> oh, I guess I had a couple pieces of clothes that I got from the like very first chest. But you... You get it all right at the start, and you don't even know how to use it all yet. Like I'm still trying to figure out how to implement the bombs, especially in master mode. They're becoming hyper-valuable because most of my weapons break too quickly, and that's a whole other part of the combat. Well, actually, what did you think about that? What did you think about the weapons breaking? Because that is something I think is a point of contention for a lot of people. It is a – you know, it's only annoying up until the point you realize that even the most valuable weapons respawn. Um, right. so once I realized that like, okay, you know, I, I can, um, uh, I can go find this great flame bit blade every blood moon. Cause I know exactly where it is. Um, right. so, you know, once I realized that they respond, I thought, well, you know, if I, re- if it's really that big of a deal, if I'm running low on good weapons, I know where to find them. Um, in addition, so the game, you know, to me, it became a non-factor later on especially once you get once you get so many weapon slots open that you know you have like 15 weapons to choose from you just pick the next one and you're getting proficient at that point so um, for me it's only ever bothered me when you know i'm stuck with like a tree branch (laughs) like yeah really really? and it it forces you to have to deal with situations like that where you're stuck with the tree branch it makes it a little bit more challenging in that way and it also forces you to try new weapons constantly consistently you get to figure out which ones are good which ones work against different enemies like you could get a big club and just swing that around and knock out all of those 
the little guys. I can't think of what they're called. Just like the regular red dudes with the giant ears. The Bokoblins? Um, yes, just the regular Bokoblins can be taken out so quickly with something like that and just spin around and destroy a whole group of them. Or you can grab a spear, figure out how to use that. I've been actually using spears a lot in master mode because I've, if I can charge it just enough and whack people with it, they fly back, and I just use that to knock people off of ledges because I can't face half of the people in this game. <laughs> All the enemies start off like at the black level or the white level, which are the top like difficulty, their own health, and they all regenerate health. So if I don't kill them right away, they start to get gain more health. So in groups, it becomes vital for me to just try and knock as many away as fast as possible yep. so that I can focus on either the big guy or whatever. But all, all that to say, even in master mode, my weapons are breaking. And it is a terrifying thing, especially when you're surrounded. Your biggest weapon, you notice that thing pop up that it's about to be destroyed. And I've faced many situations of terror because of that, especially in master mode. And at first, you, like you said, at first it is a bigger deal until you get a better handle on even just fighting, get a better handle on the flurry, attack, um, the, the perfect dodge. And then as you – and I actually didn't even think about going back and getting weapons. I have – never done that so the fact that you brought that up is very interesting um i really should just mark where i find a good weapon because you can and that's something else i like about the game you can mark things that you found with uh little stamps and whatnot yep um and the physics of the different weapons tie into the game too i don't know if you noticed that but if you have a flame weapon that'll actually keep you warm and cold i thought uh, that was you- very very cool that extra added detail um, you'd probably lump that into aesthetics. Just the fact that if you equip a flame weapon, you know you can you can go hang out in icy regions. Right, you can hang out in icy regions. You can use it to to melt big blocks of ice, and you don't even have to whack them. You can just stand next to it, yep. and you'll start to see it melt. Um, the electricity, of course, getting electrified in water and whatnot. Um, and I love the way that electricity makes you have to fight in a unique way. Because those are one of the few elements that makes you drop your weapon if you get hit by it. And if you have a metallic weapon, you just drop all the things that you had had because they zap off of you, essentially. Um, And the way that those physics rules are interlocked, the way that you can use them throughout the open-air world, throughout the different parts of battles and whatnot, it's it's so cool. And, And you've said this before, you can kind of cheese in the game. You can definitely get some cheese in there, especially with the combat, with that dodge. And a lot of people feel like that breaks the game. Did you feel that way? What do you mean, cheese? I would say the, the this it's the perfect dodge. You know how you, you get... If you can land that perfect timing, everything slows down, and it makes the game so much easier to just whack people with the flurry attack. Yep. Um, and in a way, is kind of breaking it, because you can deface the biggest Lionel as long as you have enough weapons, you know? You know, I only, you know, at times I felt like that it it was, you know, somewhat repetitive, but it's one of the most satisfying things because the timing window is actually, (laughs) it gets smaller and smaller. And then if you do master mode, it's the tiniest sliver of when you can get it right. And I think it's so satisfying. And also it's cool because it mixes up the gameplay as well. It's not like the whole thing is done in slow motion. Um, You can, you can game the game by kind of 
you know, incorporating that vertical level and like paragliding over your enemy, opening a bow and then it slows down again. You can game it that way a little bit. I thought that it changed the pace in a good way um, is that the fights are so fast and vicious that occasionally, you know, slowing it down a little bit is fun. It adds effects to it. And then Link looks like a boss, you know, <laughs> I just I thought it was cool. You know, at times it got repetitive. But other than that, I have no complaints with it. Okay. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and, it, and it is so different from previous Zelda games, too, that it was incredibly refreshing in that way. Uh, most of the previous ones were more puzzle games than they were combat games, whereas this one, the combat's very, very in-depth. And the way that you can use all those tools, I think, really complements the rest of the the options that the game gives you. It's a game of options, and that's what I love. The fact that you can you can wake up and then go fight Ganon right away is one of the coolest aspects of this game. It is a choose your own adventure game. Um, as far as like choose to the left, to the right or forward first, you know, it's, it's any direction up or down is all yours for the taking. And I just, I, you know, totally agree with that in mind. I wanted to close out this conversation with just a quick little touch again on the world itself, because I think the main draw of this game and the main character even is the world which comes down to the design comes down to all the different interlocking parts but um i really want to we've talked about these other things here so i'm going to jump into the last point there um, i'm really going to talk i want to talk about the power of the emptiness in the world which is where the the idea of breath of the wild even comes from i feel like there's a calm there's a there's a sense of well i guess i would say emptiness what do you think about like that feeling that the game gives you. You know, I agree because it, it, there's so much open air, like, you know, the developer said, I, I don't remember, you, you're right, I've heard that comment before, I can't remember who said that, but you're you're so right when it comes to the open air aspect. It's not overcrowded with trees, even with mountains. Like, they're all, you know, very spaced apart. Everything's its own um, climate and temperature and different things like that, that you, you never feel like, you're stuck um and it was wise in the sense yeah that it was wise to i would say put the mountains towards the semi edges of the map of course you can go over them into other sides um because it sure. leaves a big just open field an open plain in the fr- in the middle that just invokes this sense of quiet i would say my favorite areas of the map are the big open areas gerudo and central hyrule are my two favorite areas of the map um just because you know they feel limitless um and when you're riding a horse you know it's funny too we didn't even get a chance to talk about the music which is fine but like the soundtrack changes when you're running through an area and then when you're running on a you know you're on a horse in that area it's very interesting and the the kind of the 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 um, piano playing is like whimsical when you're on a horse. It's like, da 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 da. Yes. It, like, it's very, it's just the whole vibe that you get from playing the game in these open, especially these open expanses, is absolutely why the game is a breath of fresh air and why it's so addicting. And, yeah, to- and the subtlety of it. Like, the music is so, and we've talked about that, of course. We talked about it with the storytelling, but the music is the same way. Um, it Little beats here and there when you're on your horse, like you said, and then yep. you hear it pick up ever so quietly when there's an enemy nearby that spots you or something and it goes boom you know and then like very quiet little dink yep. dink and whatnot just little tiny bits and pieces here and there to give you a, a sense of peace i think that's the biggest thing yep. like and games don't do that games are trying to like if you think about skyrim everything you're coming across could kill you 
So you're like constantly on edge, constantly just trying to get to the next spot. You're just trying to complete objective after objective after objective. Whereas in Zelda, you just get lost sometimes. Like you completed yep. an objective and then you're just peacefully going around exploring and you see something else and you can just go to it. And you don't even feel the need to continue on on what you were originally doing because you know that whatever is over there is going to be interesting. And whatever the whatever the quest that you may have just finished, you may look at your your uh, inventory or your adventure log rather and think, I have nothing to do, and then realize, I have nothing to do. <laughs> That's fantastic. I can go climb that mountain or that tree. And in a sense, you can rediscover your childhood. One of my favorite moments, and actually my favorite place in the game, is actually Hateno Village. Um, you can get a house there. You can buy right. a house and decorate it and stuff. And that's you know that's a fun little side thing too. But but the music that they play, it's that sense of it really is. And this is gonna sound so cheesy, but it's that sense of I'm home, and it really is a rediscovery of your childhood fancies and whims, and it it changes the game and stirs your heartstrings a little bit. I think. Yeah, and it's funny that you bring up side quests because I'd say that's a big part of the character of this game, and the the home side quest unlocks another side quest. Now, I don't know if you noticed or were able to get to the village creation. Um, I did. I finished the whole thing. That was one of my that favorite one, ones. Yeah, that one by by far was my favorite because it forces you to find people in different parts of the world, different parts of the region, and you literally see a town come to life that you helped mm-hmm. put together. Um, and it's just such an awesome way to use side quests. A lot of them I don't think are that interesting. Um, a lot of them do kind of feel throwaway. But it's fun to do, and, and then when you're just exploring, it's fun to see how the side quests are connecting, or maybe you found something and you remember, oh, yeah, this person was asking for that. Um, the way that all these little characters work together to bring you these senses, of, or not senses, but bring you these objectives that give you the opportunity to adventure, to explore, and uh, they're not forced on you either. Nothing is forced on you, and that's what I love about this game. Um I'll let I'll let you close out, but let me make two comments here. One of the one of the things that I realized about Terrytown is that if you use a Hillian shield often, it will break. Um, but that's that shield that's got like ninety defense, so it's super handy. You find it in the castle once you finally go exploring there. But you can actually have that recreated at the Smith in Terrytown. I think it's the bird. I can't remember his name. But once you get the bird there, you can go and you can recreate the Hillian shield. Um, but you also um, uh, what was I going to say? Shoot. I was going to say something else. Something about um, the Terrytown guys or a different side quest? I mean, I, I, we're, we're talking side quests still. I also would like to bring up the little monster guy um, whose name escapes me, but he runs the monster shop, and you find him in that skull area. Um, Kilton? Yes, yeah. Kilton. And he, he has his own currency, and he gives you like tons of interesting uh, pieces of even armor and clothing and whatnot. And it's like little touches like that in the world itself that you discover. Like you discover these people, you discover these villages, and you are the one almost, if at least because the design is so well, it feels like you're the one who is discovering it. It just wraps it all up in a fantastic overall just package of a game that 
I mean, even this conversation, I'm already convinced is probably going to go immediately into the, the Hall of Greats. <laughs> I, I I think it should. I you know you um I'm going to ask you what you didn't like about the game other than the voice acting in a second. But um one of the things that I do like is that the inventory is unlimited. You know, Skyrim has this thing where they have a weight limit and you can increase that. But it's funny because Skyrim gets made fun of in on the internet all the time because they say you know they draw a meme of the character running around and his bag is filled with a bunch of crap. Skyrim is a game <laughs> like of memes. I would say he's he's carrying he's carrying this bag and it's got like swords and shields poking out of it. But it's ridiculous because if you're going to be like realistic about what you can carry, there's no way you can carry all the crap that you right. carry. <laughs> carry carry around 15 dragon bones and all right. that crap. So what what I like about Zelda is that they're like we're not even going to you know, penalize you for having a bunch of stuff. You can just hold on to it. And then if you have a side quest and you happen to have those items, which is, you know, you know, half the time, honestly, that you can just whip them out because you can carry 15 blue shell crabs and it's not a big deal. (laughs) Makes sense. (laughs) So Josh, tell me what you didn't like about the game other than the voice acting, obviously. Well, um, you know, I would say like, as far as things I didn't like are concerned, the, well, definitely the weapon breaking stuff, Got, gets old after a while and even the way that they will mm-hmm. like clink on your back actually can yep. be kind of annoying but i like that they show which ones you're actually equipped with of course the voice acting um and then you know i really was somewhat disappointed in the implementation of the story especially from the level of like the master sword um and other parts of the lore that i think just kind of got shunted stinted a little bit um in sure. the way that other Zelda games were more fulfilling. Um, That would be the biggest thing. And we talked about that, but you know, it's, it's hard to say things that I don't like about the game because I was, especially the first time I played through so enthralled. I would say that the, probably the other thing I don't like is that the more I've played through it, the less of the magic has disappeared. And the more of the quiet does just become a bit dull. Uh, It's not as peaceful and, and intriguing and awesome as it was the first time I played through. And that's something I think Skyrim has against it. Whereas Skyrim is because it's a more objective base, because there's a lot more to do. You can almost just play it forever and still enjoy it. I mean, I buy it almost every time that I get a new system and, (laughs) and I always play through half of it because it's just fun. It's just fun to even get that start going and you can go and do all kinds of stuff that I didn't do the first time or maybe that I did do, but it's been a couple years doing. Whereas in Zelda, it, like the sense of the world itself, once you've really explored every nook and cranny, once you've seen the giant dragon bones in the corner, and once you've gone to each of the springs and whatnot, there's not like the the world of mystery does become a bit less mysterious. However, I would say, even on my master mode playthrough, I have come across things I hadn't touched before and I didn't even realize. There's a couple of side quests that I never did. Um and a couple interesting moments. Um like I I walked in on a Gerudo talking to a fake man. I posted that on my Facebook or on my Twitter. I thought it was hilarious. Um I hadn't <laughs> seen that before. And so it's it's awesome mm-hmm. that I'm like holy bomb. like I don't, don't want to say a bad word cuz I want this to be a good show but um this game is still surprising me. And I love that. Uh which isn't something I don't like but <laughs> What about you? What were things that you that you maybe off the top of you I didn't like? On the time I had, the first thing that comes to mind, this may surprise you, is the first thing that I didn't like is Luralin Village. Okay. So um, I don't know if you ever found that little fishing yes, village. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. In, it, it's in like the southeast corner of the map. Okay, and I do remember it. To yeah. me, it's like, to me, it's just, I think, I see things like that, and I'm like, why is this here? 
you know, other than like the three or four side quests that are in that village and the cute little, you know, animated kids running around, it's like, why is this here? You know what I mean? And uh, I just wish, like, if you're going to do a village, I mean, it's got to be a village. Right. And that's you know the what difference. I'm the so, other ones feel so much more lively and interesting. Yes. And that one, I agree. It definitely did feel a bit empty. Maybe that's where the emptiness kind of becomes a bad thing. And that leads me to this overall general point is that there were moments in the game where I thought you could have done or I wanted you to do more. Mm. Um, You know, it's always like now that I've seen the visual aspect of this game and my first experience seeing a dragon was crossing um, the bridge uh, into I don't it was central Hyrule. And you see that big glowing green electric dragon flying in and out of the lakes. And you're like, what the heck? You know, that was my first dragon experience. I know you'd asked me about that earlier, but but. You know, once you see things like that, you know what the game is capable mm-hmm. of. You you go into the Korok Forest and you think, wait a second, I can only go in this one little area? Like, that's it? There's so much more that could have been done. And, you know, while I understand the whole, you know, probably the reason for it in the lore, there was moments like that throughout the game where I thought there could have been more exactly. to this. I think... I th- I think that about Goron City, I thought there, that could have been better, more well-developed, just broader, more things to do there. Um, and I thought that... I love Rito Village. I love Gerudo. I love every other village other than that. It's just Luralin and Gorin. I was a little disappointed with. Um, I also dislike... Now, I understand this is a staple of Zelda games, so I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say this, <laughs> but the fact that you, you, you beat Ganon repeatedly and there's no, like... There's no ho- whole peaceful version of the game. There's always monsters. Mm. You know what no, I'm saying? No, I, I know like, there's no en- Yeah, okay. There's no end to that. But I've been told that's like a staple of Zelda games. Like they never actually let you permanently beat the boss. So that may be something that they're just going to keep doing. So I might have to get used yeah. to it. And you know what? You, you reminded me of a couple other things I don't like. I'm, I was very disappointed in the dungeons themselves. Of course, the Divine Beasts kind of took the place of dungeons in this game. And, and I really thought it was nifty. I thought it was inventive and like, oh, cool. Like you're in a giant creature and they're all slightly different and the puzzles in them are cool and interesting. But the way that even just the technology, the Sheikah technology left around all kind of just gives the same vibe took something away from me because in previous Zelda games, each dungeon was its own beast. I would say the characters of Mm. previous Zelda games were the dungeons. Whereas Mm. in this, it's more of the world itself. Um, and that was that was something I I was very unsatisfied with actually, and, and the way that the bosses were all just slight variations on each other, and all of them ended up being slight variations on Ganon himself. Uh, disappointing, I would say, especially when you have a game like Wind Waker that each boss is is powerful, unique, and tied to that exact region, to that exact dungeon, and then you have Ganondorf, this imposing presence the entire game, who be who is tricking you, who is pulling the strings behind the back like those things are just gone in this game and those are things in a Zelda game that I that I've grown to love and expect even um that we're missing here Mm. so Mm -hmm. there there's those things and then of course um but outside of them I I can't say much bad about this game yeah me neither I mean as far as the gameplay itself it is near perfect um you know I hinted on it earlier, but I mean, I wish I had had more dialogue, maybe a little bit more of insight into Ganon, the character himself, because he is a person, right. you know? Um, so, well, at least he, he, I guess he could be, maybe in this game, he's only like an evil force. Right, but, right. But, um, but, you know, just a little bit more dialogue, more character, more development, more lore. But other than that, I mean, not much. This game is, you know, for me, a 9.9 out of 10. It's pretty darn yeah, good. And I agree. So would you, uh, 
like to bring anything else up? Any any uh, opposition to putting this into the Hall of Games? I really can't think of, you know, those are all, you know, I, I have to make a line between what is a bad, um, a bad thing about the game and what is just something that I would prefer they had have done. Well, I think we have, you know? I think we have good enough opinions, you know? Yeah. I, yeah. I think we're, uh, we're capable of making the decision. <laughs> yeah. But sure. that being said, I think this is an obvious candidate and who knows where in the hall of games it goes. But it certainly goes there. I agree. All right. Well, let me stamp that in. Kachunk. And that's it. Um, I was going to get to a whole other different segment, but we're kind of running out of time here, so we'll have to cover maybe something like this next time. And you know what? I'm still trying to work out how exactly we can get to some of the interesting topics that are happening in the games industry. Um, I wanted to use a default podcast segment to – our default segment to – uh, talk about maybe some of the things that are going on that are a little more controversial in the industry, stuff that we think is worth discussing on a, a more in-depth scale. But we've spent so much time already, I don't want to take up too much of the audience's time, my time, and, of course, Jared's time as well as we go throughout the day. So let's close out with that, uh, and we will, you know, um, see you guys next week. That's the goal. So, And that's going to be the goal going into 2020. Jared? Thanks for joining me for this conversation. Oh, of course. You know, I would like to ask, just off the top of my head before we close out, what you thought of the title that I suggested. Of the of the podcast? Yeah. You know, I, I I appreciate that it captures what we're trying to do, but I don't know. I thought maybe it's it was a little wordy, to be honest okay. with you. <laughs> maybe that's not what you wanted no, to do. No, I, I, I want to uh, talk about it, so let's keep talking about it. You, I'll, let the, I'll let the audience uh, leave it hanging then to discuss yeah all right well thanks for joining us this has been my favorite video game and this is josh gallegos signing out